0: Welcome to BayCare Health Chat. I'm Maggie McKay. Heart failure is nothing to fool around with or ignore. It's a serious condition that needs medical care, and the more you know, the better. So today we'll talk about the symptoms, causes, and treatments of heart failure with Dr. Jay Amin, a cardiologist specializing in the diagnosis, treatment, and management of heart conditions in patients at BayCare. Dr. Amin, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about this important topic that affects so many people. Yeah, thanks for for having me. I appreciate that. Absolutely. To begin with, what is heart failure and are there different types of it?
1: Yeah. So congestive heart failure is the condition that's common in our population of patients that we see typically in the United States. And it's characterized by symptoms of shortness of breath, fluid retention, swelling in the legs. And typically what it's related to is the fact that the heart muscle as a pump, is unable to pump the flow of the blood forward. And as a result, it back it backs up and patients develop congestion in their lungs. They have difficulty breathing. And there's another type of heart failure where though the heart muscle pumps normally. It just doesn't relax properly. And as a result of that, patients can get congested with the backup of the fluid in the lungs, causing symptoms of shortness of breath and fatigue and difficulty doing their activities of daily living.
0: And you said it's common. Are there any statistics? How many people are we talking about that are affected by this? Yeah, no, it's a common
1: condition. You know, we've been overloaded with all the COVID-19 and the pandemic. But, you know, if you look at the United States of America, there's probably about Six million people in the country that have a diagnosis of congestive heart failure. And every year, unfortunately, there's probably 900,000 new cases. And so oh. this will only continue to worsen as you see in our aging population. I mean, there's 10,000 individuals that are baby boomers every day Um, Mm -hmm. and so it is a condition associated with aging of our population so it's only going to increase and unfortunately if you look at the number of patients you know perhaps over the age of 40 there's a 20 percent likelihood that patients will develop in that age group over 40 symptoms of heart failure during the course of their lifetime and it's a huge economic impact and social impact within our society and the cost is extraordinary. I mean, it's extraordinarily high. It's probably 30 to 40 billion dollars per year. But by maybe 2030 thereabouts, it'll be 60 or 70 billion dollars. So it's a huge economic impact within our in our society, and a huge social impact, and it affects a lot of people.
0: You mentioned age. What other risk factors are there? Who is at greatest risk? Yeah, it's patients that tend to have a history
1: of some other medical issues. And the things you think about are ischemic heart disease or coronary artery disease. So Those are the patients that have had blockages of their arteries to their heart and or have had prior heart attacks where the heart muscle is diseased or damaged. It used to be several years ago or decades ago where hypertension was the main cause of congestive heart failure and that tends to be also a predominant cause in in the patient population that we see now. But hypertension in itself is a huge risk factor. We'll see heart failure in patients that are, uh, for example, diabetics, patients that are obese with valvular heart disease and and valves are within the heart itself or structures that They're like gates within the heart. They open and they close. And if they get diseased over time, that can lead to heart failure. You know, with the COVID-19 pandemic, we've seen cases of what's defined as myocarditis, which is inflammation of the heart muscle leading to heart failure. And interestingly, there is a condition called stress-induced cardiomyopathy, believe it or not, where patients are under tremendous amounts of emotional stress, which can lead to a diseased heart, where the heart muscle is not pumping as well as it should, which can lead to symptoms of congestion, being water retention, fluid backing up of the lungs. Um, so there's a multitude of causes. Unfortunately, we've we've come a long ways in terms of advancements and treatments.
0: What signs or symptoms should we be aware of? So the bread and butter symptoms, there's several, but we always
1: focus on Breathing. Are you short of breath with activity? Are you able to do the activities during the day with no symptoms at all of shortness of breath? Or are you noticing you're becoming more winded, going up a flight of stairs? doing the laundry, or going for your daily walk. Then we zoom in on more specific symptoms. Are you noticing that your legs are getting a little more swollen, that you're retaining maybe a little bit water? There's what we call edema. Are you short of breath at night? Are you able to lay flat in bed? Or are you wheezy, more fatigued? A lot of patients present very subtly with symptoms of heart failure and a lot of these patients are elderly until you really, you know, zoom in with some questions and asking about these specific symptoms, it's sometimes difficult to tease out.
0: And you mentioned a couple of causes of heart failure. What would you say are the top few? Um. In the United States of America,
1: I think, you know, for a long period of time, hypertensive heart disease. So these are patients that have a history of hypertension, maybe not well controlled, perhaps they're not watching their salt intake, they're not watching their diet, they're obese. But now we're also seeing a lot more patients that are younger with what's called ischemic heart disease. So these are patients that have had, you know, with high cholesterols, that are diabetic, that are smokers, they may have had a heart attack in the past, their heart muscle, which is a, you know, the heart is a pump. And if you damage that pump, pump doesn't work as well. And so ischemic heart disease is playing more into the uh, patients that we're seeing now with development of congestive symptoms with volume retention, fluid retention. We, we see it in a lot of our elderly patients that are females that are over the age of 80 with hypertensive heart disease, never had a heart attack or a stroke, or otherwise they are doing okay, but they're just not watching their salt intake, they're eating a lot of frozen foods and processed foods, and they develop heart failure on the, on the basis of the fact that the, they're retaining just a little bit of extra fluid and backs up in the lungs and they can't breathe. and um, and that's a component of heart failure that we see a lot of commonly in the United States.
0: Dr. Amin, what does diagnostic testing involve for heart failure? How do you test for it?
1: Yeah, there's a number of tests that we do. You know, a lot of diagnosis for heart failure is just based on clinical examination and symptoms, but there are some additional tests that we can do to try to sort some of this out. Um, You know, we'll do chest x-rays looking for evidence of, you know, vascular congestion or fluid in the lungs. We'll examine them. We'll see if there's, do they have signs of the fact that there's a lot of fluid or extra water on board that's swelling in the legs. Do They seem that they're gaining some weight unexpectedly for uh, reasons. And then we delve deeper with doing um, what are called ultrasounds of the heart or echocardiograms looking at heart function. And sometimes on those ultrasounds, we can determine is the heart function normal or is it abnormal? Are the valves that are in the heart that are responsible for kind of regulating the blood flow within the heart, are those normal? There's a lot of diagnostic testing we can do, but fortunately, you know, with this testing, we've made a lot of improvements in terms of not just diagnosis, but treatment.
0: And when it comes to treatment of heart failure, what else is involved? What can a patient expect?
1: Yeah. So, you know, unfortunately, their heart failure is treatable. There are a lot of medications that we have in our toolbox. So it's not uncommon when patients that have had their first episode of heart failure, they wind up within the hospital. We treat them, we give them medications, whether through intravenous medications through an IV or medications, whether it be a pill form, we try to get rid of that extra fluid. Those are medicines called diuretics, and then based upon what the other tests show, there are medicines that we use to treat their blood pressure, there are medicines that we use to treat their heart failure that affect their volume status. And then we also look for, again, the cause of the heart failure and we try to look to is to what can we do to prevent this from, from happening again. And in some patients, it's just not watching their salt intake and not watching their diet and we can attack that. In other patients, they have more severe conditions, whether it be valves leaking or if their heart muscle is weak, could they have underlying coronary artery disease with lack of blood flow to the heart. And there's what's called cardiac catheterizations, which we can do to look at the arteries to make sure the blood flow to the heart is normal. So there's a multitude of tests that we can use and the number of medications that we can use to help optimize their status and improve their functional capacity and prevent recurrent episodes of heart failure.
0: That's encouraging. What's the overall prognosis based on? Severity, age, type of heart failure? Yeah, no, no, very good
1: question. And, and so when we look at patients with heart failure, unfortunately, if you get admitted with heart failure within the United States of America, your mortality rate can be as high as twenty-five percent for readmissions within the next 30 days. We've made great advancements with following up with the patients in the office within a 7-day or 10-day horizon, adjusting their medications and kind of instructing them, educating them, and optimizing their medical therapy, the fact that we're doing better than that now. And so I think a lot of heart failure, uh, both treatment as well as prognosis, has improved over time. The important thing is, I think, education with and finding out what the cause of the heart failure is and trying to treat the underlying heart conditions such as hypertension, obesity, things like weight loss. Monitoring your weight on a daily basis is important. Watching your salt intake. If you're a smoker, getting off the cigarettes. If you're a diabetic, you know, focusing on diabetes management. If you've, got a, if you've got a history of valvular heart disease, trying to assess the valvular heart disease with testing and determining whether or not we need to do additional imaging or testing to fix the issues with the valve. So there's a lot of things that we can do in 2022 that we, can't, you know, we couldn't have done perhaps 20 years ago. So it's a very common condition. I think we've made a lot of advancements in not just treatment, but also helping out with prognosis.
0: Doctor, I mean, what's your advice on prevention of heart failure? And once you have it, why BayCare is so outstanding in treating it? Yeah, another excellent question. I mean, I think
1: prevention is so important within our healthcare system, not just at BayCare, but you know, nationwide. Any of heart failure is, like, is a chronic condition, so. What I mean by chronic is that, you know, once you get diagnosed with it, it goes with you for the rest of your life. Just like diabetes, just like hypertension, just like high cholesterol or hyperlipidemia. So what we need to focus in on is what can, we, what can a patient do to help with their long-term outcomes, their long-term prognosis? And what I tell patients is focus on things that you can, con- you know, control, Things such as, are we exercising? Are we watching what we're eating? Are we watching our salt, our intake of, of foods that perhaps aren't really helpful for so, us? You know, foods that have a lot of salt in them, is just not helpful. Watching our in, intake of saturated fats at home you know cardiology's been blessed because we can monitor patients remotely from the standpoint of blood pressure monitoring what's your blood pressure running what's your heart rate running what is your weight that's a really important marker for decompensation of heart failure so i think having patients involved in their care gives them a little bit more control the disease process because you want to get them involved as well. And these things are important as they go forward because though this is a chronic illness, we can still treat this long term, but you've got to have patient engagement. They need to know what they need to do at home watching for any symptoms. And, and sometimes you know, when you have patients weighing themselves every day, I think that's kind of a mindless thing to do, but it's really important from a standpoint as a cardiologist, a patient with heart failure, if their weight goes up by three or four pounds within a 24-hour period or a 36-hour period, that tells me that they're retaining some fluid. That's water weight. And that may be the first sign of their heart failure, even though they may not be short of breath. And so if they call us with that reported abnormality, we can make some adjustments on the telephone, hopefully prevent them from getting more symptomatic where they're they are so short of breath that they need to go to the emergency room, they get admitted for heart failure and they we get sent home. Hopefully we can prevent that admission process.
0: Is heart failure hereditary? You know,
1: there are some conditions where if you look at the family, something called a dilated cardiomyopathy where Various family members have inexplicably this weak heart muscle, and the heart is a pump. And there are genetic abnormalities where patients are more predisposed to weaknesses in their heart muscle, and that's through genetic testing. So if you had a family member that had, was relatively young and diagnosed with symptoms of heart failure based upon just history, physical examination, diagnostic testing, And you found out, well, you know, their sibling had heart failure, their parents had heart failure, maybe even their children, believe it or not, have a diagnosis of heart failure. Then that really points you in a direction of a genetic abnormality. And within BayCare, we have the ability to refer patients to perhaps centers that have more advanced heart failure expertise to give those patients a better opportunity for treatment and long-term success.
0: Dr. Amin, thank you so much for your time and expertise and talking to us about heart failure and all that it involves. It's been a pleasure.
1: I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much.
0: And that wraps up this episode of BayCare Health Chat. Head on over to our website at baycareheart.org for more information and to get connected with one of our providers. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other BayCare podcasts. For more health tips and updates, follow us on your social channels. If you found this podcast informative, please share it on your social channels and be sure to check out all of the other interesting podcasts in our library. I'm Maggie McKay. Be well.